Welcome to Talk Design. I'm Adrian Ramsey, and with the Architects Marketing Institute, I'm going to bring you 12 special editions. These 12 editions, the architects who are presenting their homes on the Austin AIA Homes Tour. They're all very inspiring, and there's some secret special tips that you'll get towards the end of each podcast. I hope you're as inspired as I am. My guest on Talk Design today is Tim and Dave from Tim Cuppet Architects in Austin, Texas. Now, these guys have got a project that they've got on the AIA Homes Tour this year, which is called Camp Frio, and it's uh, in Lakey, Texas. So it's three hours west of town. Now, this would have been a big call if you were trying to get all the homes to view so you would have had a six hour drive and you probably wanted 30 minutes minimum maybe an hour or two out there in lakey texas so you would have devoted a day to it so again one of these things that the pandemic and having a virtual tour has created is the ability to have a project like this uh, available to see um tim's been in business and uh this is an architectural firm in austin for 30 plus years. So he's a he's a, an old hand at this and he's well known for the beautiful work that the firm produces. And from that, I'd like to say welcome to Talk Design. And guys, tell us just a little bit about uh, how it all goes down with you guys, what, what the studio you do, what sort of work you like to do, who you work for, and what your philosophy of uh, architecture is. Thanks, Adrian. Uh... It's nice to be with you. Uh, we design just houses. Um, I, I worked in a commercial firm early in my career and, uh, and loved my job and loved the architecture associated with that, but um, really uh, realized I, I'm, I'm in love with the scale of residential design. I would rather draw a piece of furniture than a city block. So. Uh, we focus on the houses. Um, uh, it's always been a small firm. Uh, Ten years ago, Dave came knocking on the door and uh, came to work for us, making a firm of three people. Yeah, and... Really expanded things. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we are simpatico. We have had so much fun working together uh, because our skill sets are, are complementary. Uh, so it feels like the work is better together. Uh, I am interested in, in creating space and atmosphere. Dave comes with a a uh, real passion for graphic design. Um, nice. And so, don't you, wouldn't you say that's true? Yeah, we, which leads to a healthy, um, I shouldn't say a, I should say many healthy debates um, <laughs> about whether or not the, uh, the aesthetics or the arrangement of the pieces as viewed um, should be more important than how one experiences the pieces. 
and and ultimately there's a there's a lot of push and pull and then they kind of land in an aha moment and we both kind of step back and go that's it that's it that's it stop right there stop touching that leave it alone take lift your pencil (laughs) and the nice thing is we both know at the same time yeah gotta love that oh yes we both kind of exclaim at the same point that's it because (laughs) We, we both, we're, when we're both satisfied, we know it's good. Now, and so, that doesn't mean our clients know that it's good, but we know. <laughs> <laughs> they yet to, they yet to discover the goodness. <laughs> but isn't that an interesting thing? How, um, as you said, simpatico, where it's a beautiful mix, and and there's enough tension that that tension just keeps driving it. No one rolls over. It's tension enough that just keeps pushing for something that can become a thing of beauty as well as a thing of function. Um, and I'm going to make, I'm going to add to that to say, Dave and I will get to a point where we think it's right and it cannot be improved. Then the homeowner reacts to it and throws us a real curveball. You know, one of the, one of the main goals will will change or something or all of a sudden this little minor this minor request becomes major uh and we and it'll send us into a tailspin and we'll kind of keep pushing and pulling interestingly though that third that third person input the homeowner more often than not when we when we land on a solution which satisfies their input it's better than it was when it was just yeah. to us yeah isn't that interesting have you ever have you ever studied any of uh, napoleon hill's work um yeah. the, the, the writer who wrote think and grow rich so napoleon hill has this thing where if you know the story of him but he wrote think and grow rich which he interviewed all the richest men in america at the time and then distilled a lot of what was going on with that and their success and uh, he did that through um, uh, Dale Carnegie, who was American Steel. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he Andrew Carnegie, sorry, who was American Steel. And um, he said, first of all, you take one mind, which would be like either of you, and you put two minds together. And when you put two minds together, you create a mastermind, which has a third mind, which is bigger than both of those minds which engages the thinking that's beyond what both of you know and of course when you put the client in the mix if it's the right client then that does that on another level again Um, and they don't have the they have a whole different approach because they're not architects they have a, a whole different approach to how they see something or you know, it can be really fundamental or it can be really whimsical or whatever. And you go, okay, how am I going to deal with this? But I've got to get it there. So it's that thing of this mastermind process that just lifts and then lifts again yeah. um, beyond that. Well, it's a I, nice thing, eh? I always feel like it's it's in the, uh, the success of the project is in the problem solving, right? If somebody said, you know, every architect is probably met somebody who said, Oh, you're an architect. Have you designed your own house yet? Well, (laughs) I don't have a site yet. So I don't have anything to design to or for, right? If somebody said, if you could do anything you wanted to do, what would it be? Well, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't work in, in fantasy land like that, right? What we do is solve problems. 
And, yeah. and when somebody comes to you, the most successful houses, I think, are the ones where you had a problem to solve, not just a homeowner that said, okay, here's my site, now go give me something. It's the ones where the homeowner said, I have this site and I have these 50 other things that I need you to accomplish. And when you sit down and look at it for the first time, you go, there's no way. That can't happen. <laughs> and then through, you know, blood, sweat, tears, profanity, throwing stuff, and you finally it all sort of settles into place and you go, ah, I've got done it. We, we And that's just on the client side. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that so true, though, eh? Um, yeah, the, the list I often say to people, well, it's, you know, it's a wish list. Wish for everything because you're not going to get everything you wish for. It's just um, you, we're going to try and get you as close as possible. And, uh, you know, it's a, a fascinating piece of tension, which is it's the fun of it. That's the joy of the job. Without that, as you said, Dave, if somebody said, could, we can do anything you want, I'd go, well, I'd like to spend some time finding the right site. And I don't even know what the right site is because if it was in the hill country, it'd be a different site than if it was on the lakefront. Exactly. Um, Just looking for the right site. That's why doing doing our own project is so hard. My, I'm, sure. a, I'm my own worst architect because in my mind, I am, from my own home, it's going to be small enough that I can afford it. But yep. I can do anything I want, and I need more boundaries. So I find that I, I have made a lot of mistakes on myself because I didn't have enough boundaries. That's why I got married, Tim. So I would have the right amount of boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I was talking to Krista and Ernesto, and uh, with them, I said, so was there a conversation you ever had where you said, uh, it's time to hire an architect? <laughs> <laughs> they went well <laughs> kind of <laughs> um so tell me about um camp frio uh tell me about the the client and 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 the the structure itself it's a well people can have a look in the in the um when they get online but i think it's an absolutely stunning collection of buildings that are just kind of Ah, oh, the photos I've seen, I love them. They, they blend with the landscape, yet they're not part of the landscape. It's just beautiful. Well, I'll talk about the background, and then we'll, let, then we'll have Dave talk about the buildings. Okay, uh, cool. The, the homeowner came on, a, on the AA tour several years ago and went through my historic home. And my own home, the tour of, of my home was on an October weekend that happened to be cold and rainy. And, and it's an 1850 dog, old Texas dog run with a fire. So is that like a dog trot? It's, yeah, a, it's, 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 it's rooms on each side with a central hall in the middle or central breeze. It would have been a central breezeway through the middle. Uh -huh. um, like laid out like Charles, like the house yep. of Charles. Um, but so years later, when they were talking about building a second home, out on the Frio River, which is where the name comes from. The Frio mm -hmm. River runs through the Texas Hill Country. It's absolutely spectacular, the valley that it's in. Um, they decided to build a second home there um, and recalled the atmosphere of my home and wanted to uh, capture that feeling. So that's why they came to us. 
Um, yeah, wow. So we started with this model of an 1850 Texas home. Dog truck. Well, it certainly shifted a little. Yeah. Um, and so, so we looked at for the, the inspiration for the buildings were old Texas buildings. Yeah. Uh, rural agrarian structures. Um, Dave, you take it. Um, well, what, what's different about um, this project from from old Texas projects that we were referencing is the program was much, much larger than a two or four room non-conditioned building sitting out in the prairie or the pasture, right? Um, this was in the 50 things that they asked for, right? <laughs> right. And then some, right? So this project has a, uh, a main house, um, two guest cabins, and then a fourth building, which is a garage and an art studio on the ground level, and then a meditation studio on the second level. Beautiful. So the um, one of our initial, well, let me back up for a second. So Tim comes into the office uh, on a Monday morning and, and says he's had an, an epiphany, a big breakthrough on what this project needs to be or how it should be approached. And um, I, we're, I don't recall if we were working with the owners um, at this time on their city house also. No, what came later? That came later. Okay. So the, uh, the owners uh, have a house in Austin also, and, and Tim said, you know, if they're going to drive three hours or three and a half hours out to this property, the experience of being there has to be different than their city house, right? They, they can't drive up to this place, park the car in the garage and go directly into the house and spend the whole day in the great room next to the kitchen with the TV and the air conditioner on and never go outside or go down to the river, which is, you know, the reason to buy this place, the reason to go out there. So it is such a key point though, isn't it? Like why drive three and a half hours when you could just walk around the block and just let yourself back in through the back door and say, I, I'm somewhere new. Right. Go work up a sweat and then go back to the yeah. air conditioner. Yeah. So the, um, the idea of these separate buildings and the idea of, of taking this, what is an otherwise very large program and compartmentalizing it into separate structures requires you to move through the landscape and move through the space between the buildings uh, to, to go from one piece of the program to the next and, and really experience the site. And then to further that notion of um, sort of forcing them to, to use the land they've chosen to, to occupy, the main house is we'll go back to this dog runner, dog trot idea. Um, one enters the house onto a screen porch. And then from the screen porch, you enter into a breezeway that is open through both ends and then up to the roof structure of this two-story volume, a, a one-story plate on the front and a two-story plate on the back. And that space can either close down and be conditioned or it can open up to the screen porches and and draw breezes from the site through the house. <clears throat> so the main house is actually on the ground floor, two very compact heated and cooled compartments mm -hmm. surrounded by an H-shaped porch. 
It's a front porch, a back porch, and the open through the middle. Right, gotcha. And the whole envelope is screened. And, right. And the, the, the kids' bunk room is, is in the attic, which spans over and connects. The two, pe- the t- the two forms. Which is just like an old Texas dog run. The, the difference being um, that that central hall, which is the breezeway, is bookended by pocketed glass doors. So when it's open, the doors are gone. They yeah. they, they disappear into the wall. So, and I had the I had the pleasure of being there when we were photographing it for the tour. I had the pleasure of being there in June when two families were quarantining there. Two families who had been there for weeks. (laughs) So how was it coping? They were still talking. They were still speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was probably a good thing because it came down to that exploding the designer part kind of stuff. (laughs) So it worked. But what I discovered in June, you know, which is hot in Texas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have it open, and oh, and the owner said, "Oh, yeah, you know, in August we might close the doors, the the breezeway at three p.m. and cool the central hall for dinner, but otherwise yeah. it stays open because it works. It draws the air through. The kids are running in and out, um, but it was it was so much fun to see it working exactly like we." fantasize yep. it would yeah like you planned um yeah that's that's awesome I, I, it makes such a difference when you know you, you because you do a lot of thinking and work to to actually make these things work like that and also you imagine that's how it will be lived in but you can't control how it will be lived in um you you, you dig enough <laughs> as you can out of the client to understand it but you don't know how it will be that's brilliant that's really neat. And they get such more an experience of the outdoors from it. Yes. Uh, the, other thing, uh, the other thing that has made it especially successful, which I will say uh, was an idea that the owner brought to the table um, when we, we were talking about the main house and then creating these two separate guest cottages, the owner suggested that they be connected by a deck uh, mm-hmm. as they had stayed in a, in a house in Maine uh, that was that way. And, and it works so well. Even with the grade changes between the three structures, there is an elevated walkway that connects all of them. So all the finished floors are on the same elevation. The, house, nice. the, the, the structures are slightly elevated off the land. What it means yeah. is the kids can run back and forth barefooted uh, all right it feels like they're all in the same house but it's completely open air yeah. and also that go you you can run back and forth barefooted so as not to get bit by the rattlesnakes kind of like that old <laughs> um that old glenn Merkett project where you sit on the edge of the the edge of the building and you dangle your legs down and you're just high enough so that uh you know the, the deadly snake doesn't jump up and bite your leg off Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, it's um that's a really fabulous point though about it because again this wouldn't be something you could uh, 
discover on the tour. We could if we were there and we were walking around it, but we we wouldn't discover or or feel that necessarily. I, and I haven't seen the the videos yet, but those kind of things so that you get to imagine it. What are some other points about the um, about the project that if you if you were to be on the tour now and you're not you know like visual, virtually not physically, and what would be some suggested like angles or things to go and discover about the the project. Well, I, one comes to mind because it was touching when I was there in June. Um, I was up on the on the upper level of the main floor with the photographer who was shooting the bunk room, and I looked down, and the kids were kind of flopped all over the screened porch. These three three of the four little kids who had been there for the summer, and they were just they were just talking. They were, you know, that there wasn't a television on, but the the house is open, the breeze is blowing through, and I'm looking down on the kids having a, you know, having a six-year-old conversation, and they're awesome. flopped all over the furniture, and it was such a, I just thought that is so beautiful. Um, the, the other thing I noticed was just to, just to be in the house and being being aware of the kids playing outside because it's so open. There's a uh, the space between the buildings, between the main the, the main house and the cottages, uh, that is captured by this elevated deck. Yeah, is all flat sod. That's the only sod on the site. It's a you know it's a smooth soft grass. Everything yeah, right. Wild, but it's this giant play yard where they're rolling around and wrestling out in the yard, and that was you could hear them and see them. You know, it, it was amazing. It, it was so cool because that again, that was what our intention was. Yeah, and it played out. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I think one of the other things um, from a, from a planning perspective um, that you you wouldn't get unless you actually visited the house. Um, this house sits in a in a development um, called Frio Canyon. And it's a big piece of property. It was a big ranch that was platted off um, by a, uh, a, a developer whom is a who he's a he's a contractor. He built this house. He does a lot of really fantastic work in Austin and in the Hill Country. His name's David Douglas. Um, oh yeah. So there there are other projects out there. There are other houses and. And they don't show up in the in the photographs, and and part of that is because um, the buildings are rotated on the site. This sort of quadrant of buildings is rotated almost forty five degrees on the site, in lieu of being parallel to the front and back lines of the property. Right. And and the compound of buildings is pushed about as far back as. Does it nearly get to the floodplain? Yes. The the back of the property sits in the floodplain for the river. Yep. So the house, the the compound is pushed back to the edge of the floodplain, and because the buildings are rotated, you're you don't have, you're never looking at a neighbor's house. You're always looking up or down the river, and because of the floodplain, you're also looking into the neighbor's portion of the floodplain. 
So it, it. your views just go on forever without looking at other houses, although they are there. Well, you know, the thing from the photos I've seen, because there are no other houses in the photos, if you'd said to me that when you just did, said it was in a, a, a development, my first thing was my mind went, what? Um, you know, like if I've looked at the wrong photos, pretty much that's where my mind went. I went, I thought this thing was sitting in, you know, couple of hundred acres of uh, ranch land. Well, um, it is. So, so what happened, David bought a ranch and occupies a portion of the ranch, but then he, he created these really large tracts and yeah, right. filled the individual tracts of land, but supplied all the utilities and services. Oh. So the, the attraction is the, the owners can go out three hours out into the country to really feel what feels like the middle of nowhere and, and have services that, that you need. Um, yeah. You know, in addition to, to utilities, uh, maintenance and caretaking and housekeeping and all the things that would be difficult to have remotely are shared with with the homeowners so so it's it, like a body corporate setup where where those things are done it's, i love it's that a pretty sweet setup for those who live there and and the the tracks are large enough that they're not on top of each other yeah but they are visible you know you can see yeah. you can see other houses but so the photographs are not deceiving there's enough no, no. space between them, um, but but it's 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 interesting because the road that runs through the property is parallel to the river, and most of the other homes are positioned parallel and perpendicular to the road and the river. Yeah, and wow. to, to my knowledge, I'm, it's the only one that I'm familiar with where we actually so we 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 rotated the whole thing. So it's kind of, you know, it's disorienting in a good way. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It, it, it gets you off the grid. Yeah. Yeah, it takes, takes you in a, in, a, in a new journey, even though you're in that same journey. Well, and the other, the other reason to do it was um, our particular site uh, faces due west. The river is due west. Well, we all know in Texas... Sunsets are great in the winter, but in the summer, you kind of well, want to be looking at that. So yeah. rotating it gives uh, just gets us off of West. Yeah, right. Well, and I, I, I tell this story all the time. I think it's one of the coolest things about the project. That rotation paired with the, the appearance of the buildings, right? We, we talked about sort of referencing these old Texas uh, rural agrarian structures and when when we were first starting the project and and we we were ending up with four buildings I thought how the hell are we going to put four buildings on the same property none of which are similar in size shape height nothing I mean they have nothing <laughs> to do with one another how are we going to do they, they could have been they, but you guys chose not to. We chose not to, right? And we, well, the plans worked great. So uh, we came up with this idea that if we, if we take this old sort of rural ranch 
structure, be it a, a barn or a tool shed or a house or whatever it may be, we're going to start with a low plate and we're just going to start ramping the roof up as far as we believe this slope can go. And then at some point it's either going to stop or it's going to flop over and act like the brim of a hat when it's facing west. So what we end up with are these, these very simple sort of rudimentary agrarian structures that, you know, they sort of appear that way. And because they're not sitting parallel to the road, it almost feels like when you're driving through there that these might have been the original buildings from, from the ranch, right? The original homestead. And right. that poor guy just fell on hard times and started carving up his ranch and selling it <laughs> off. So <laughs> how fabulous that that is a really cool piece of it um, because it fits with the landscape so well, yet it functions so uh, fabulously in there as well. But then it's not like trying to be the big shiny uh, mansion, no. or the shiny space. It's it's with the landscape. Yeah, um, you know, it, we wrestled with them for a while with the forms because it's because it's four unique objects. Um, the magic happened in the editing. Yeah, wow. Dumbing it down, dumbing it down. Oh, which leads me to talk. I want to talk about we the construction. We yep. had because of the, the remoteness of the site. I think we made a total of five site visits from beginning through the end. And did David build it? David Douglas built it. Yeah. And his, his crew out there, he has cultivated a crew of local carpenters and craftsmen to work on these houses um, and, and manage them. They are so well managed and the communication is so good. He, he had one guy driving in from Austin about once a week or every other week. And then two guys that were on site every day with a satellite phone that would drive in from about an hour and a half away. And if there were questions, you know, we're, we're so accustomed to our projects being close to our office. And if sure. something comes up, oh, hey, give me 20 minutes. I'll run over to the house and we'll look at it. Well, this was... When I get home tonight at nine o'clock, I'm going to send an email to the architect. And when he gets to that, then he'll send an email back at nine oh five. I hope <laughs> the next night. And so there was this very delayed, and we knew this going into it, right? There was this very sort of delayed express version of communication. And occasionally you'd, you'd have luck with the satellite phone and getting a, a question answered pretty quickly. Um, and, and knowing that going in, we said, okay, look, we're going to have to detail this thing as beautifully as we can, but we can't expect that we're going to be able to answer questions on the fly. It has to be really dumb and we don't know we got lucky in that the craft the level of craft was incredibly high but we didn't yeah. know who was going to be building this thing who the trades were right we didn't know any mm -hmm. of the trades so we thought okay it 
This thing is going to be a manual saw with three nails in it. That's how we have to imagine this thing goes together, right? Gotcha. We had to really simplify the details. And, and you know, there's probably a handful of details which occur over and over. And of over. course, yeah. Um, so There's a language to it. Yeah, right. And, and it worked. David's crew did such a great job. We would go, one of the few times that we went out, it was shocking to, to go out and, and see that they actually look at the drawings. They actually follow the details. It was a pretty nice experience. I bet it was. How many pages of schematics did you have? We had, we had a set of documents for each building. Well, we had one set of documents for the guest houses. We had yep. one for the main house and one for the garage. So we had three separate sets of CDs that we issued to the field. And each set had a, a site plan, schedules, floor plan, elevations, building sections, interior elevations, RCP. And three details. Power and data. And, <laughs> one, and, and one sheet of details for each building. Yeah, right. Which Because it, it, it is simple structure stuff, but like it, it takes a lot to to get that um, together. And, and you know, I, I know people who you might do one of their projects and if you're a contractor and they might have 270 pages now. Oh, no. I mean, you, I'd say 20 pages per building. Yeah. So manageable. And that's why they read the plans. That, that makes the difference. It makes the difference. It's manageable and it's doable. Guys, that is fantastic. I am so looking forward to seeing it. Um, and actually going out next time I'm there, going out towards that, 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 that space. I may have been before. I'm never sure. I can't quite always orient myself and go, oh, yeah, that's where I was. But um, Lakey, Texas. Adrian, uh, Adrian, when you're in Austin, you'll have to – David David Dalish has a helicopter. Uh, oh, I'll, has I'll a talk to David. Has a helicopter ser tour service. You'll have to talk to David because that's the way to go out. <laughs> <laughs> hook me up hook me up <laughs> i think i've met david before on tour um in one of the houses but yeah that sounds that sounds like me i mean it's he it, it would a jet wouldn't work for me a, a helicopter may <laughs> oh listen the helicopter over the hill country is spectacular oh i bet uh this year when i went up to the um you know the uh texas society of architects um i flew up with tim brown yeah so we, you know, we flew out of, uh, grave. yeah, <laughs> because it was Tim or because he was flying. Because he was, I hadn't taken him up on that one yet. At some point he said, Hey, do you want to, you know, do you want to join in on this thing? I, I, I think at he, some point, I think he, yeah, I think he shares it with a couple other, couple other guys. And I said, well, uh, you know, what year is it? And I forget what he's, he's like, Oh, it's like a 54. 1954 Beechcraft or something. I said, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. They've, they've built newer planes since then. Yeah. <laughs> he just he just sold it. And uh, his next uh, aircraft that he'll be flying around and he's just brought into something, which is a Cirrus, which is a very, very fast, beautiful airplane. So, yeah. Hey, guys, I'm looking forward to seeing the home. Um, I'm looking forward to being back in Texas next year for a, a live tour, if we're going to get one. I'm sure we will and catching up with you then i want to thank you so much for your time and this chat it'd be really fascinating for people who are listening 
Thanks. And thanks for having us. The biggest of success and stay safe, you know, like, yeah, in our COVID times. Well, Dave and I just work and go home. Thank you. Yeah, cool. <laughs> thanks heaps, guys. Bye-bye. Talk soon. Thanks. Cheers. Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, If it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking say three questions and this is called takeaway selling so this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you it's almost like imagine if you had some hot chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them you put them in front of someone and then they went to reach out and then you you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you it's that type of thing so this is called takeaway selling so the first question you ask you say well why don't you just leave the situation as it is why why make the change that's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.